you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Pastor Jerry and his wife Karen have just been dear friends of ours now for many, many years. This is actually, I think, the eighth year in a row uh, that he has been with us for our church anniversary. And every year we say, maybe we'll get someone else, but who else can we find? I mean, he is absolutely incredible. If you have never heard this man before, probably one of the finest communicators there are of the gospel message. And he is absolutely wonderful. Love him so dearly. So come on, would you give it up for the God in this land's life. Come on, Reverend Jerry Hunt. Hallelujah. I want my money later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already sent that. Didn't I send that in the mail? Praise the Lord. How many are glad you're a Christian today? How many are glad you're saved? I want to give God the glory for my life. I want to thank him for saving me. I want to thank him for keeping me. I want to thank him for all that he's done for me and given me Karen as my wife. We're going to be married almost 35 years. Almost 35 years. That's not 51, but it's, it's, it's getting there. All right? Karen, you want to stand so all the people can see who you are because I never introduce you? <laughs> I always forget to do that, and I don't want to get in trouble. By him, by this man right here. I have not come with gimmicks. I have not come with... Any tricks up my sleeve? I've not come with anything but this book. And if this book isn't enough, then we have nothing else. So I've come to speak to you today about what the Lord has laid upon my heart. And so I'm actually going to preach to myself. <laughs> and you can listen in. And if it happens to touch your heart, at the end of the service, at the end of the preaching time, we're going to invite you to come around the altars and seek the face of God. How many think that's not a bad idea? How many think that we should do that here? How many think that we ought to respond? The Bible says the Lord confirms the word with signs following. Many times we have utterances in tongues, messages in tongues, interpretation, prophecies before the message is preached. But you know, sometimes at the end of the message might not be a bad idea because the word of God can be confirmed with signs following. And that's one of the signs. Tongues are a sign. It's something to think about, isn't it? So I want to ask you tonight, do you think that at the end of this service, that might not be a bad idea to do? Seek the face of Almighty God. We're living in times of uncertainty. We're living in times when we don't know what tomorrow brings. You read your newspaper. You watch the the news on television. I'm telling you right now, it's not getting better. But I do know one thing. Look up for your redemption. Draw up nigh. That I do know. He's coming back. So in that light, turn with me to Acts chapter 7 and Genesis chapter 39. Acts chapter 7 and Genesis 39. 
This is when Stephen is talking, Acts chapter 7 and Genesis 39. Everybody have a Bible? All right, good, because we're going to get into it. All right, we're going to get into it. And sometimes it's good just to read it for yourself, all right? Acts chapter 7, I'm going to read verse 9. Acts chapter 7, verse 9 says, And the patriarchs, moved with envy or jealousy, sold Joseph into Egypt. Everybody see that? And the next word is what? But. Don't you love that word? That's, that's one of my favorite words in all the Bible. Do you know that? That's a contrasting conjunction in the Greek text. And that means opposite to that is this. And it says, they did that, but God was with him. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but that gets me all wound up. They sold him into slavery, but God was with him. That doesn't sound too good on one side, but on the other side, it sounds pretty good to me. I don't think you can do much better than that. Go with me to Genesis 39. Let's find out a little bit about Joseph. The title of my message tonight is, But God is with you. But God is with you. Things might look bleak on one side. You might feel like you're in slavery on one side. But God is with you. Genesis chapter 39 It says in verse 1, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. How many think Stephen must have read the Old Testament? Huh? And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. as He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And as we read on, you'll see in verse 9 or so that Potiphar's wife Had the eye for Joseph. I remember that. She had the eyeballs for the man, and guess what she tried to do? She tried to seduce him. But he said, how can I do this against my God? And the Bible says that she yelled and cried out, and they accused him falsely. And if you go to Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, go there. Listen to what it says. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. What does verse 21 say? But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because, anybody? The Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Wow, what an experience. What an experience. The Lord is with you. You know, we've had a lot of experiences in our lives. How I many know Joseph must have had plenty of experiences in his life? Have you ever had a God experience in your life? An encounter with God? Have you ever had an experience that wasn't so pleasant, but God used it in your life? Do you know, experiences are great. I have been finding out that experiences are wonderful in God. And by also finding out that the experience in and of itself does not mature me as a Christian. 
My wife and I had, we have two children. Melody is 28 years old. When Melody was born, I got to cut the cord. Doctor handed us a baby. And he said, here, you can take her home. So we took her home. And as they wheeled me out in a wheelchair of the hospital, <laughs> Karen was carrying the baby. Um, as we <laughs> wheeled her out, I wheeled me out. I, I said to Karen, I said, why don't we let Melody drive? That was her name. We named her Mel. Why don't we let Melody drive? I mean, after all, she's been born. How many know I didn't do that? But what if I would have? What if I would have said, hey, let's let Mel drive? She had a great experience. How many know she needed to be born? How many know she had to be born? How many know if she wasn't born, she wasn't going to drive never? So she had to be born. So since she's had an experience, let's let her drive. Boy, is that stupid. But how many Christians do that all the time? They'll put somebody up behind a pulpit who just got saved, but they've never matured or grown and developed, but they had a great experience. The experience in and of itself is necessary in your life, but that doesn't mature you and develop you in God. Joseph had a lot of experiences, but the experience in and of itself did not mature him. But what does the experience do? It opens up the door for the thousands of possibilities for growth and development in your life. It's how you respond to it that makes all the difference in the world. So you can be saved. Well, I've been saved for 30 years. You know what I want to say? Dear God, don't tell people that. Because the way they act, they haven't been growing and developing for 30 years. Well, I had an experience. So, what'd you do with it? What'd you do with it? Joseph had an experience. He had an experience with God. What do you do with it? Let me talk to every young person here. You've had an encounter with God when you were a little kid. You've probably had another encounter with God. What'd you do with it? Well, I got saved, didn't I? What'd you do with it? Please hear me today. The experiences are vital and necessary. And without them, you can't grow and develop. But they only open the door for opportunities to develop and grow. May we understand tonight that every encounter we have with God is God giving you an eye, an opportunity, and a chance to respond to it with, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. Amen. What are you doing with it? I see Joseph having plenty of experiences, and I thank God, I just thank God that he responded correctly to each one of those experiences. And in the end of it all, when he was made the second in command of Egypt, how many remember that? And his brothers came to him, how many remember that? And they needed food, remember that? And he finally revealed himself to them, and they thought their heads were going to roll, remember that? And what does Joseph say? He says, you meant it for evil, but God... Meant it for good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many would say then that Joseph responded correctly to those experiences? I want to say today that the Lord was with Joseph. And if he was with Joseph, he's going to be with you. In 10 years, this church has been in existence. Brother Phil, we've known each other for about 17 years. And I have to tell you, I'm proud of you, but I thank God for you and Kelly and your mom and dad and your, your kids and what God has been able to accomplish not only through you, but in you. You see, we want God to work through us, but not just through us, in us. 
Joseph allowed God not just to work through him, but to work in him. And that's why I want to give the altar call before I ever start. Because there shouldn't be a person in this place tonight that doesn't want God to not just work through him, but in him. And you can't do that in five seconds. Oh, God can do it in five seconds. It's, he's not the problem. How many know God ain't never the problem? Promise us. So when I say that the Lord was with Joseph, I see his life wrapped up in a nutshell in that saying. Acts chapter 7, verse 9. But God was with him. I would like to have that said about me. If they say nothing else, maybe they could just say, but the Lord was with him. But I want that to be true. I want it to be true. I want it to be true that God is with me. And I ask myself four questions relative to the Lord being with Joseph. Number one, I ask this question. When was the Lord with Joseph? Number two, does anybody notice that the Lord was with Joseph? Number three, does it matter that the Lord was with Joseph? And number four, how did it ever get to the place where the Lord was with Joseph? How did it ever get to that place? Let us answer those four questions. I won't keep you past midnight. You got nowhere to go anyway, right? Number one, and by the way, thank you for having me come back. I don't know why you keep doing it, but I'm just glad you don't throw things at me. Praise God. When was the Lord with Joseph? If you'll take a look with me at verse 1, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt, sold into slavery. Verse 2 says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3, and his master saw that the Lord was with Joseph. Chapter 39, 21 says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Acts chapter 7, verse 9, but the Lord was with Joseph. Look at when the Lord was with Joseph, when he was sold into Egypt. I mean, that's not a good thing. He was with Joseph when he was thrown into prison. Then it says, the Lord was with Joseph. The butler forgot him, but you know, the Lord was still with Joseph. Potiphar's wife accused him falsely, but the Lord was with Joseph. I want to tell you tonight, the Lord is with you. And when is the Lord with you? The Lord is with you when it appears that he is not with you. The Lord is with you when it seems like he is not there. God is there. I want to say tonight, the Lord was with Joseph when it looked as if God was not with Joseph. And the devil has lied to some of you people. He's tried to tell you that God's not with you. He's tried to tell you that God isn't there. I'm here to tell you, God is with you. Even when it seems like he's not with you. Notice whenever it says God was with Joseph, it was always on a negative experience. It was always on the negative side. How many know that's when you need to hear it the most? You need to hear it the most that God is with you when you're going through the rotten time of your life. Paul was on a ship. He was a prisoner going to Rome. The ship was in a storm falling apart. And you know what Paul said? He said, don't fear anybody. This night the Lord stood by me. And he said, fear not, Paul, for you're going to have to testify before Rome. You see, the Lord was with him. When does the Lord assure you that he's with you? When it appears like perhaps he's not with you, the Lord is. My son Jordan is 30 years old. 
When he was four years old, he was diagnosed with a heart, complete heart block, so he needs a pacemaker. So at the age of four, when Jordan was diagnosed with a complete heart block, I'm going to say this to you. The Lord was with him. Jordan's had a pacemaker for about 23 years now. He's on his fifth or sixth one. But the Lord is with him. And, and the Lord hasn't healed him yet. But that doesn't mean the Lord isn't with him. Miriam Pimlot was diagnosed with lymphoma. But the Lord was with her. And now she don't have it anymore. I want to tell you, friends, Joseph was sold by his brothers, excommunicated by his brothers, yet the Lord was with him. I can see that Potiphar's wife was after him, tempted him, even though he was tempted. That does not mean the Lord was not with him, even though he was tempted. And some of you are being tempted, but that does not mean God is not with you just because you're being tempted. And just because you're not healed, that doesn't mean the Lord is not with you. You've been praying for your healing. You've been praying for your healing. You've been praying for deliverance. But that does not mean God is not with you because he has not healed you yet. The Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord is with you. And be encouraged tonight. Give God glory. He is with you whether you think he is or he isn't. That's what God wanted me to tell you, is that he's with you. He's with this church, even though it might seem like he's not. The butler forgot Joseph. He said, hey, remember me. He said, you got it, buddy. And he gets out and forgets all about him. But the Lord was with Joseph. I have come to find out that just because I am being tempted, just because I am going through a wilderness experience, does not mean that God is not with me. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Was God with him? Yes. Was the Spirit leading him? Yes. So you can be in a wilderness, tempted of the devil, and be in the will of God Almighty. That is something the church needs to get a hold of. When is the Lord with Joseph? When it seems like he's not. So some of you, and myself included, how many of the devil will lie to you? And he'll tell you. That God isn't with you because of this, 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 and this. My little granddaughter, Ashlyn, was one and a half years old and diagnosed with stage four cancer. But the Lord was with her. Today, she's seven years old and the Lord's still with her. And she just had her last MRI and it's completely cl clear. And now she's on the cured list. And the Lord was with her. Oh, it seems sometimes when the trials of life are coming down on you, when it seems like God is on vacation, I'm here to tell you, he's never on vacation. He's always on time. He's always there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And that's something we got to get. I've got to get this. Joseph went through some of the hardest times of his life and anyone's life, yet the Lord was with him. 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 What does that mean? That means, Pastor Philip, the victories of your past will give you confidence for victory in the future if you trust God Almighty. Know the Lord is with you. And if the Lord is with you, guess what? Let all hell break loose. If God is with me, who can be against me? We are more than what? conquerors through him who loved us it doesn't mean the lord is not with you if you're tempted if you've been slandered if you've been falsely accused it can appear that the lord is not with you yet all along the lord is with you 
please no. Maybe I just got to hammer this home to somebody's heart because you have got the idea in your mind that because you've made a mistake, because you messed up last night, that God doesn't love you anymore. But I want to tell you something, young person. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. It's whether or not you've repented of it and given your heart to Jesus and whether or not you've confessed it. For if you confess your sins, he is able to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. And the Lord is still with you. Oh, man, you feel it tonight. I just got to tell you, when was the Lord with him? When it appeared that he wasn't. Number two, does anybody notice? I don't know if you ever asked that question. Does anybody notice that God is with him? Well, look at verse three. Go to verse three. And his master saw. How many see that? And his master saw that the Lord was with him. How many know tonight that it might seem that nobody's even paying attention? But you know what? People are. They're paying attention. How many know the world is looking at you? How many know Potiphar's watching you? How many know that parents are watching their children and children are watching their parents? How many know that people at Walmart are watching you? How many know that people at Target are watching you? How many know that people in church are watching you? How many know that when it appears that maybe they're not noticing that God is with you, he's still with you, and they do notice, even though it might seem they don't. Maybe they don't respect you. Maybe they don't really care too much about the fact, but it says right here that Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. And I just want to make that statement tonight. Other people will notice when God is with us here. Other people will notice. Now, uh, might not mean anything to him now. But if you stay true to God, and the Lord's continually with you, when they need a word from God, they're going to know who to come to. They're going to know who to come to. I have seen this happen in my life. You've seen it happen in your life. You may not really be much of a focus focus point for them now. But when troubles hit, when Pharaoh needs an interpretation to his dream, when the butler needs a friend, they're going to remember, hey, hey, I know that church over there. The Lord is with those people. Why don't you go down there and find if God has something to say to you? But we as a people must be ready for that. We must allow the experiences of our life to open the door for development and growth. So we must take advantage of the encounter with God that we have at this altar. We must not take lightly what God is doing in this church. We must not take lightly the word of God in our hearts. Because somebody's going to walk through that door. And they're going to need a word from God. And they're going to see God is with you. And it's going to make a difference in their life. We've got to be ready for that. That's why the experiences in your life cannot just be sloughed off. They came for a reason. Amen? Number three, I noticed this. The question I have is, does it really matter that the Lord is with me? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it does. How do you know? Well, it affects other people. How many know it affects other people? You know, if the Lord is not with you, that affects other people too. How many there are some churches... I tell you, God hasn't darkened the door of the church in 25 years, maybe 100. In fact, even some churches are so crazy, even the devil is trying to get out. (laughs) 
He just can't find the door. But the truth of the matter is, when we're not living for God, when the church has left its first espoused love, Jesus says, if you don't repent of that, he says, I'll remove the lampstand out of its place. And you will not be a light that shines in that world like you think. You'll just be mechanical. You'll just be doing Christian aerobics. And four, and three, and two, and one. Lift your hands. Put them down. And four, one more time. And two, you're doing good. Louder, louder. One more time. And that's what some churches, am I doing all right? That's what some churches are like. They're mechanical robotic. But if the Lord is with us, we don't do it by mechanical robotic. We do it because the spirit of God has moved upon our hearts. And from the innermost being of my own heart comes forth praise, comes forth singing, comes forth living. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the life lives, and we walk in him. Well, other people notice? Well, they do notice. And does it matter? Yes, it does. Go to verse 5, if you would. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in this house over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house. Hey! Hey! Does it matter that the Lord is with you? You better believe it does. In fact, he blessed Potiphar's house and Potiphar. Because Potiphar was a Christian. No. Because Potiphar knew God. No. Because Joseph knew God. That's right. Because Joseph had the Lord with him, it affected the ungodly in a positive way. You've got to be kidding me. That doesn't sound fair. Oh, don't, don't be deceived. You see, God's not blessing Potiphar because Potiphar's such a good boy. Friends, he's not blessing this country. He's not blessing this city. He's not blessing anybody because they're so goody-goody, you know. It's because the Lord is with his people. When the Bible says that Jesus Christ comes back and takes the church out of this place, you watch evil run rampant. It's because the church of Jesus Christ is living the life it's supposed to live, and the Lord is with them that things are not any worse than what they are. So what does that tell you? It matters that you're living for God. It matters that you're living for God, young man. It matters that God is with you. It matters, young person. And let me just say this right now. It's on my chest, and I'm going to get it off. Every young person in this room, I don't care whether you're 10 or 15 or 18, I'm going to tell you this, you are just as ready for commitment as any adult in this place. You are just as ready and able to come to this altar and surrender your little life to Jesus Christ and be a man of God and a woman of God and don't use your youth as a reason to stop being faithful to God because you got all the years ahead of you because you don't have the years ahead of you. You only have got this moment right now. I came to tell you the truth. And Philip knows, pastor knows, I can't do anything else. And neither can he. That's why we've become such good friends. Because it's a kindred spirit of truth out of the word. I'm a blessed individual tonight because my grandfather... His relationship with God was what it was. I remember going to my grandpa's house, and I'd stay in, in their house in Michigan, and I would be there, and, and my grandpa would get up every morning at 6 o'clock, and he'd pray. And I heard him in the next room praying. Godly grandpa, he'd just pray. My grandpa be in the kitchen cooking oatmeal, making bacon and eggs. 
And I would wake up to my grandfather's praying. I can still hear it right now. And he'd start praying for his grandkids. And he'd start naming them. Oh, God, touch Becky. I say, yeah, man, I know Becky. <laughs> whoa, yeah, Becky need prayer. That lady need prayer, man. Woo, my cousin Becky. Whoa, yeah, boy, she, that woman needs the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you that right now. I'll be laying in bed saying, oh, get sick them, Grandpa. And he'd pray for Andy. He'd say, oh, yeah, Andy. Oh, man, Andy's going off the deep end, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, get Andy. And he'd pray for Rodney. Rodney got on drugs and crack and stuff. But let me tell you something. Rodney's serving God today. And Andy's serving God today. And, and Becky's serving God today. But I'd lay there and I'd hear him mention all the names of the grandkids. I'd say, yeah. Then he'd get to mine. And I'd go, what? Don't you know I'm a fair-haired boy? Don't you know I'm a... Not really. How many know that your righteousnesses are as filthy rags? And I want to tell you something right now. The only reason I'm staying behind this pulpit tonight, Brother Philip, is because my grandfather prayed for me. It's not because I was any good. It's not because of any goodness in me. But for his sake, God did bless my life. And it came to be that God called me. And it came to be that God answered his prayer. And God is still answering my grandfather's prayers to this very day. So, you know, you're blessed. But it ain't necessarily because we're such a great person. I remember Lot and Abraham. Remember God told Abraham he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? You remember that? How many know he didn't tell Lot? Don't you think that'd be the guy you ought to talk to? You know what? Lot could say, what am I? Chopped liver? But God told Abraham, you know why? Because Abraham had a relationship with God. Well, Lot was, was Lot saved? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably by the skin of his teeth, but he was saved. Probably wouldn't know he was saved if the Bible didn't say it. And, 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 the, and the deeds of Sodom vexed his righteous soul from day to day. I'm glad that's in there. Where would be hope for some of us, huh? But you know how Lot got out of Sodom? Not because he was such a good guy. Not because he was so holy. Not because he heard from God. But because Abraham heard from God. And because Abraham got on his knees. That's why this altar call is for those who don't even think they need it. It is especially for all of us because we need to pray for our family. Pray for our loved ones. Pray for your nephews. Pray for your nieces. Because Jesus is coming back. And it's not because we're so good. It's because he is so faithful. So it's time for us to know that the Lord is with you. Does it matter? Oh, yes, it matters. Because the Lord blessed Potiphar's life and all that he had. For Joseph's sake. Oh, God blessed Abraham for Sarah's sake. Did you know that? I remember Abraham got out of Egypt because of Sarah's sake. Not because Abraham was such a good boy, but because Sarah. You read it in the Bible. It's right in there. The last question is this, and I'm finished. Well, it might be just a, a little bit. You doing all right? Not bored to death, are you? Don't raise your hand. You make me feel bad. With these glasses, I can't really see you anyway, so that's good. <laughs> but the last thing is this. How did he get to this place where, how did Joseph get to the place where he, you know, knew how to respond to Pharaoh's dream, and he knew what to say about the butler's dream, and, how, how, and the baker's dream, and I always said the candlestick maker, right? The butler, the baker, and the, how, 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 many knew, how many know that Joseph had to have something? 
How did it get to the place where he had such wisdom on what to tell these people who came to him and asked him what something means? How many know we need men and women of God who can interpret the word of God to people in a day and age? How does Pastor Philip, how does Al, how does anybody who's a leader in this church, and I speak to every leader, I speak to every musician on this platform today, I want to tell you something. Your talent, quite frankly, friend, ain't got a diddly thing to do about it. Oh, yeah, but we, we rehearse. I rehearse. I actually practice preaching sometimes myself. That's when I get convicted. Am I dumb, right? Huh? Isn't that right? Oh, yes. I rehearse. I used to be a choir director of about 40 people in a choir back in Cleveland, Ohio. I rehearsed all the time. How many we rehearsed for on them Christmas music? We rehearsed for months, 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 months. Rehearse, 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 rehearse. And about when we got time to do it on Christmas Eve, the place was packed with three, 400 people. And all of a sudden, we'd stand up and sing, and somebody would mess it up. How many know what I'm talking about? So what are you saying? Well, we were really efficient. You can be efficient, but not effective. Oh, we'll sing everything right. We'll do it right. Hey, if you're going to build a church, build it right. Ever heard that? If you're, you're going to sing a song, sing it right. I agree with that. In fact, we need to do it right. Don't you think God deserves the best we have? But you know what? Without the Holy Spirit, it's not effective one diddly. You got to understand that the way Joseph got to where he was by being able to interpret a word from God to Pharaoh, to the butler, and to the baker, and to have the words to say to his brothers, and the words to say to Potiphar's wife, where did he get that from? It came from a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. What are you trying to tell me? Well, glad you asked. Here's what he said in chapter 40, verse 8. He said, interpretations belong to God. In chapter 41, verse 16, he said, it is not in me to give it, but God will answer Pharaoh. I mean, well, that's pretty good stuff. Chapter 41, verse 38, what did they say about Joseph? They said, can we find such a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Whew. How many know the world needs a Joseph? How many know the world needs a Pastor Joseph? How many know the world needs leaders like Joseph? Oh, not leaders who are efficient, but leaders who are effective. Leaders who are effective, not just rehearsed, but effective. I will tell you this in my choir. When we sang, we would wait on God a whole hour before. Not say a word. We didn't say boo. I told them, just wait on God. Don't say nothing. Just wait on God. Let the first word out of your mouth be the first song we sing in that musical. And that will be the first word. And to God be the glory. What are you saying? It's not time for rehearsal. It's time for waiting on God. And I have found that if a choir, if a if a worship team, if a pastor, whoever it might be, will wait on God. You know what I found? I have found that if you're effective because of the Holy Spirit, when you start singing and you screw it up, the people won't even know. You know why? Because the glory will come down. And when the glory comes down, they don't hear a diddly thing anyway. You know what they hear? I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. You see, friend, you got to understand. You got to understand. We don't do things the way the world does. 
And we've got to start remembering that, that this is not a business. This is a church. This is not a business. This is a family of God. It's not run like a business. Oh, there are business things involved. But friends, God is in charge of this place. God's in charge of this team. God's in charge of your life. And if God's in charge, it's the Holy Spirit that is the only way you're going to be effective in this place. And if we want to see another 10 years, and I mean another 10 years of Holy Ghost-filled preaching, we're going to have to do it God's way and not ours. What are you trying to say? Go to Ezekiel 44. I'm almost done. How did it happen that Joseph was this way? Ezekiel 44, are you there? I'm not there yet. Hang on. Ezekiel 44. Ezekiel 44, beginning with verse 15. Here it is. But the priests, how many know we're priests? Did you know you're a priest? You're, you're kings and priests unto God. That's what the Bible says. It says here, but the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, they kept the charge of my sanctuary, and the children of Israel went astray from me. They shall come near to, what's the next word? Me, to minister unto me, and they shall stand before me to offer unto me the fat and the blood, saith the Lord God. They shall enter into my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister unto me, and they shall keep my charge. How many, there's a lot of personal pronouns in there. How many, every one of them aren't you? They him. Now, you keep reading with me. You keep reading. Verse 17, it shall come to pass that when they enter in at the gates of the inner court. Oh, that's right. It's on the screen, isn't it? I'm not used to that. But I see it back there now in blurry letters. Got it. All right. Takes me a while. They come into the gates of the inner court. They shall be clothed with linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they minister in the gates of the what? Of the what? Inner court and within. They shall have linen bonnets upon their heads. They shall have linen breeches upon their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything that causes what? Sweat. I'm not going to talk about that, but, that, but I'm sweating right now. But I, I, I want to say this. That's a message in and of itself. Verse 19. And when they go forth into the outer court, even into the outer court to the who? To the who? To the people. They shall put off their garments wherein they ministered. Now, question. They went into the inner court first or second? First. They went into the outer court second. When they went into the outer court, they ministered to the people. When they were in the inner, inner court, they ministered to who? The Lord. You know what our problem is in this church age? We love ministering to the people in the outer court. But we haven't gone in the inner court first. So that we have something to say to the people in the outer court. And that's how Joseph knew what to say to Pharaoh, to the butler, to the baker, to Potiphar's wife, and to his brothers. Because he had spent time with God. Notice what the verses says. Who can, can we find a man in whom the spirit of God is? Well, how do you get that way? In the mail? No, God's spirit didn't come in the mail. It came from spending time in the inner court with God. And that's how Joseph knew what to say, how to say it, when to say it, and to whom he should say it. Did you know that? Now, I speak to the leadership of this church, and I speak to myself included. You can't worship God. 
You can't minister to God at a distance. If the only time you minister to God is in the public place, you missed it. I'll come to church on Sunday morning. We're going to minister to God. If you haven't ministered to the Lord before you ever walked in this place, it ain't going to mean no diddly until you when you get in here. They have to go in the inner court. And if you want to find what you're going to say in the outer court to the public, we better have a secret history with God in private. There it is. That's where our trouble is, you see. If we want the Lord to stay with us, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get into the secret place so that we'll have something to say in the public place. You can't minister to God from a distance. How remember Acts chapter 13, verse 2. It says, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. They remember this verse? I'm going to say it again. Acts 13, verse 2 says, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Now, a lot of people focus on the fasting. You don't believe in fasting? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. But notice what it's connected to. Ministering to the Lord. Fasting is not a magic wand. I don't care who says what. I don't care what book you're reading. I've read them too. But I'll tell you, the book that means more to me than those is this. And I will tell you this. Fasting is important, but fasting is connected to ministering to the Lord. And look at what it says in Acts 13 too. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, oh, praise God. How many know we want the Holy Ghost to say? But in order for the Holy Ghost to say anything, guess what we're going to have to do? Minister to the Lord. I want to ask you tonight, do you have a history with God in the secret place? Oh, you're up here ministering to people. So am I. So is pastor. All of us here ministering to one another. Isn't that good? But really, it's not going to be effective if you don't get behind closed doors. I'm just telling you right now. I know this is not one of them. Woohoo! Hip, hip, ray, wow, glory. I know that. But I didn't come for that reason. I didn't drive 1,100 miles just for that. I drove 1,100 miles to let you know what God put on my heart, and that is Jerry. I'm talking to myself. I've got to get alone with God as a pastor if I'm going to have anything to say to those people in the public place. If I'm going to have anything of value to say, if I'm going to be able to interpret the word correctly, I'm going to have to get alone with God. I'm going to have to get back in the corner with him and let him speak to my heart. How many can hear what I'm saying tonight? Jesus said, enter into your closet, and your Father which seeth in secret. I remember that verse. Your father who sees in secret shall what? Somebody? Reward you what? Publicly. Oh, we like the public part. What about the private part? We like it when we get to minister to people. I love ministering to people. I know Pastor Phil does this. Both of us used to do that. We used to do it together. But really, how effective is it if we're not in the secret place? The book of Mark. You know, you know when you go in your closet and pray... I, I, I've said this to myself, well, what's, what, what's, what's the big deal about going in a closet? I know, not a physical closet, but just, you know, a private place. What's the big deal about doing that? Is God any different? No, God's not any different, but you are. You, you ain't trying to impress nobody in the closet. You're not going, hey, hey, you're not doing that. How many know you is what you is in that closet? And how many know that you ain't going to be nobody different than what you are in that closet? You can't impress nobody in that closet. And you are what you are. And God can't be fooled in public or private. But in the public, people can be fooled. But when the Lord is with you, they will know it. When the Lord is with you, they'll know it. When the Lord is with the church, the people will know it. 
Some of the people that are so, that we think don't even know God, they can tell when Christians are as phony as a $3 bill. You know, the book of Mark, it says, some seed was sown on stony ground. You guys remember that? And it says, every seed would join, and it came up, and it shot right up. And, but when the sun came out, it was scorched because it had no root. It had no depth. It had height, but it had no depth. Do you know that what's underground is where people cannot see? Do you know in the inner chamber, in the holy place where the priests were, nobody could see him in there but God? And the proportion that you are deep is the proportion that you'll stay strong when you're on top. And friends, if we don't have anything underneath, it doesn't matter how you look on top. It doesn't matter how much you do this and how much you do that. If you've got nothing underneath, it ain't going to stand the test of sun, rain, clouds, sleet, or snow. It will not make it because the depth is not there. And hear me good. There are some people in this church, and I do not exclude myself, who need to spend some time before an almighty God. Oh, Jesus. To get my depth in correct proportion to my height. What people see is what people see, but they don't see you behind that closed door. But if you've been behind the closed door, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, and they'll see that the Lord is with you. I'm trying to tell you, friends, Mary and Martha. Remember Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha. Bible says Jesus went to their house and Martha was serving up stuff. Just about done now. She was serving up stuff and boy, she got a little bit irate because old Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Didn't old Martha get a little bit ticked? Can you imagine doing this to Jesus? Hey, look at her. She left me to serve alone. Now, a lot of people think that Mary didn't serve. They just think Martha served. That is not true. The Bible says Mary also sat at Jesus' feet. Hmm. It doesn't say Mary didn't serve. It just says she also sat at Jesus' feet. Did, did, did you hear that? But Mary also sat at Jesus' feet. This is some of our trouble right here. Martha was serving. And here's a Martha. She left me to serve. Left me? Oh, she left you? That means she was serving too? Oh, let's get the interpretation correct. What did Jesus say? Martha, Martha, thou art cumbered about with many things. That means you are dragged around the house by all these many things. But Mary has chosen the good part. How many remember this? And that which, she, and that which she's done sitting at my feet will not be taken away from her. Hallelujah. Right? What is he saying? He's saying this. Mary also served. But she also recognized the importance of sitting at his feet. Not just serving. Oh, I, was, I was up here doing this. I was doing all this. I was teaching the class. I, I was doing all these. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Hey, look at him. He's at the altar praying. He should be up here rehearsing. Well, I didn't say he wasn't rehearsing. I didn't say he wasn't writing his message. I didn't say he wasn't studying. I just said he recognizes that the one thing must master the many things. Not the many things. Mastering the one thing. 
And because you have allowed, and I have allowed many times, the many things to master the one thing, that's when we get irate with each other. You're getting irate with your brother or sister. You know why? Because you're cumbered about with many things, and you've let the one thing go that you need to be doing more of. And because you have let the one thing go, you get irritable. Because when you see them doing it, you wish you were doing it. And you know you ain't doing it. But you make up for it by serving an activity, an activity, an activity, an activity. And it doesn't mean anything when you forget the one thing. And the point I want to make to this church tonight, if we're going to see another 10 years, we're going to have to stop allowing the many things to master the one thing. Jesus said the many things are good. They're not bad things. He never condemned her for that. All he was saying was this. Hey, don't forget the one. The one thing. Let's say it again. The one thing must master the many. The many must not master the one. And if the one masters the many, then you won't get irritable with one another. And you won't gripe at Jesus so much for all your little things that are happening to you. You know what you'll say instead? The enemy meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This altar call tonight is for those who know that their history with God in the secret place is lacking. And you're supposed to be ministering to people in public. But all you're doing is going through Christian aerobics. But it's time to get rid of the Christian aerobic DVDs and get on your knees and be effective over and above efficiency. For if you are effective, you will always be efficient. Because the Holy Ghost is the only way you're going to be effective in this place. This altar call is for those who are allowing the many things to master the one thing. Young person, there are many things in your life that are mastering the one thing. Oh, you believe in God. You even read the Bible once in a blue moon. You might even come to church and sing. But the truth of the matter is, you have left the one thing go for so long, you're getting ticked off at other people for no reason. And you need to be up here. Hey, I can't make anybody come in nothing. I, I, I'm not a coercer. I am not a kind of a person that says, you got to do better. No, no, the devil doc talks like that. I'm saying, won't you? Will you? Come. How about it? Hey. This altar call is for those whom the devil is lying to. This altar call is for those whom the devil is lying to. He is telling you that the Lord is not with you. But the Lord is with you. Even though you're being tempted, even though you're being tried, even though you haven't been healed, the Lord is still with you, and he has not forgotten you, and because he has not forgotten you and he is with you, you should stand up here, put your hands up, and praise the Lord because of who he is. Amen? Oh, I like that old song. When you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams, when your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes, when you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. How many know that old song? He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you, fall powerless behind you when you praise him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Satan is a liar, and he wants to make you think that you're a pauper, but he knows himself you're children of the king. So lift up the mighty shield of faith, for the battle has been won, for Jesus Christ is risen, and the work's already done. Praise the Lord.
He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you. Fall powerless behind you when you praise him. Amen. How about being honest with yourself? Young person, he's been speaking to you about those many things dragging you around. It's time to stop allowing them to master that time you have with God in the inner court so you'll have something to contribute in the outer court. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you today. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Would you all stand with me tonight? As they begin to play, I'm going to ask Pastor to come. But as they begin to play, I ask for no hands. I just ask you here tonight as a family of believers I want to say the Lord is with you, and it appears that he's not. I want you to know that other people notice. I want you to know. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.